Hey friends, it's DGS with DHP, and we have another episode coming at you with David Fisher, who serves as an elder here at Hinson, married to Anna, has three kids, and David gave a talk to the men of our church on interdependence back in the winter, spring of 2022, and we had a conversation about it a few months ago, and we thought you would be helped to hear both men, women, boys, girls, and your pets, I think will be helped listening to this episode on what it means to live as a church interdependently. Enjoy. So welcome back, David Fisher, to the Disciple Hinson podcast. It's good to be here, Dan. Uh, You recently, David, gave a talk to our men as we ate uh, chicken drumsticks Mm -hmm. on the importance of codependency. (laughs) Almost. Uh, Was it something different? It was interdependence. Oh, interdependence. Interdependence. Codependency would be more of a self-destructive need of another person and their self-destructive need of you and you're not you're not talking about our relationship (laughs) okay okay well so and then what would interdependence be yeah interdependence talked about uh interdependence in contrast with independence and uh sounds similar yeah but but and this might be a good episode to release on fourth of july Independence Day. Oh, I didn't didn't even, that's brilliant. But yeah, independence, this idea that, hey, I I am self-sufficient. I can do things on my own. I can reach my my goals and my potential on my own versus interdependence. I need other people. I I ought to live in community and see myself as as dependent and, and look to support others as they seek to support me. And the importance of as men uh, within the church wanting to live interdependently, not independently. That's helpful. But I want to go back to your uh, 4th of July comment, though, and just uh, talk about that a little bit. Or would we be in sin as Christians then to celebrate the 4th of July? Should we be celebrating Interdependence Day rather than Independence Day? That's a good question. Yeah. You know, America has an interesting relationship with independence uh, and obviously the holiday celebrating a, a historical event. But but you know, even if you look and we, and I use this example in the men's talk, um, one of our top cultural values, according to the state department, which teaches our culture to people come, you know, coming in, um, who are visiting or, or who are immigrating to United States top is independence. You know, that Americans value, uh, self-determination and that it's the in, an individual who forms your own identity and kind of guides your own path, uh, as opposed to seeing yourself primarily as a part of a group. And so that's, no, I don't think, I don't think we're in sin celebrating Independence Day, but. uh, What about Columbus Day? (laughs) (laughs) We're going to get ourselves in hot water here. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, and that's how you, if I remember correctly, when you spoke to the men on interdependence, that's kind of how you opened. Mm -hmm. You, You thought about how this is, independence is one of our nation's greatest values and something that at one level we can all kind of agree on the kind of autonomous individual self. Yeah. Um, so is there any way that, uh, uh, we should, we should celebrate that as Christians, that independence, the importance of the individual, you're not, you're not going Marxist on us, are you? Yeah, no, that's a good, it, 
It's interesting, you know, I think about this sometimes, how every culture probably has its hidden idols, you mm-hmm. know, that are just mm-hmm. hard to see because you're like a fish in water swimming in it. It seems like, I think about this because in the Old Testament, right, polygamy was so common, mm-hmm. you know, it just mm-hmm. was, you read through some parts of the Old Testament and you almost think that that it was allowed, that polygamy was a was a was a neutral or a good thing. When even obviously you look at Genesis three, you look at commands uh, that kings ought to not have more than one wife. There's lots of evidence that God designed marriage a certain way. But yet it's so, it's just it's just part of the culture. Yeah, and or slavery might be another example. Yeah, yeah slavery yeah. is another good example from Scripture. Uh, those things are still sinful, uh, but they were so normal. And so, what are the what is the you know, what is the polygamy? What is the slave? What's, what, what's the thing today that's so normal, uh, but is actually an idol is actually sinful. And, and, and one idea might be in, in America is this idea of independence that, um, that I, uh, and you can see this like on the state department website, it says here, independence fosters one ability to be self-reliant and self-sufficient to be able to do what is necessary to create a fulfilling life for oneself and one's family. And when I hear that, I hear also, I hear things I heard growing up. I, I heard things I learned in school, but I also sense tension with scripture, you know, and this mm-hmm. idea that we're to live in a church community that we're, that we're saved in community and that we're to live, uh, in community with one another. So, so there, I think there is a tension there and I think it's one we're thinking about. So, so what would be the, so you're saying the alternative to that is this Christian interdependence uh, where, where do we find this in God's word, this idea that we should be dependent upon, uh, interdependent upon one another? Yeah, there's, uh, so many passages in the new Testament, uh, that talk, you know, anytime you see the phrase one another, um, one, one thing that we talked about when I spoke to the men on this topic was Romans 12. And, uh, it's interesting because Romans is such a big book huge ideas, sweeping theology in the first, uh, you know, the first 11 chapters. And in chapter 12, Paul turns to application. Mm -hmm. He goes through all this theology and, uh, you know, theology that shaped history in some ways with Martin Luther and the Reformation. And then he goes to chapter 12 and he talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And okay, what does this look like? So application number one for Paul in Romans 12 is this, he says, uh, Romans 12, three, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure, a measure of faith to each one. And then he goes on and talks about how we're part of a body and how, you know, a certain part of the body, they have different functions and they can't be ind- independent of one another. They have to work together. Um, so it's interesting that after all of this, this sweeping salvation theology, that application number one for Paul is don't think of yourself too highly. <laughs> How is that related to interdependence and yeah, relationships? And I think he's saying, don't think of yourself too highly as if you didn't need other people, hmm. as if you didn't need the rest of the church. Cause he goes right into then, you know, now as we have many parts in one body, all the parts don't have the same function in the, in the same way we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And he talks about using different gifts you know, in service of the body. So, so yeah, it's don't think of yourself too highly. Don't think of yourself too independently. Don't think of yourself as if you didn't depend on other people 
in the Christian life. So, uh, so, so that's, I think that's interesting in scripture and, 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 uh, yeah, so that's, that's one idea of where you, where you find it in scripture. How do you get there? Practically, you gave the example when you spoke to the men of you, you were in some foreign country. I don't remember Bulgaria, Bulgaria, Bulgaria. (laughs) and, uh, you know, you were kind of by yourself in a foreign culture and you went on this solo hike and a bus dropped you off. It's great, great, uh, illustration. Yeah. You clearly Uh, remember it. yeah, Yeah. And, uh, uh, like how, but I think for, for many of us, we, we, we think we're, we're okay going solo. We think we can manage. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do we get to our, get to the place or what are some ways that we can recognize kind of like you recognized in that instance in Bulgaria, how much you needed that bus driver to show up or else you were up a Creek. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the, just to pull the thread through there for listeners, you know, I was in the middle of nowhere dropped off by a bus that was actually a van, didn't know the language and was dependent on them to come back at a certain time to pick me up. They were late and it, it felt like I was in the middle of the great plains or the, you know, Gobi desert or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I was, a, you know, very dependent on that bus driver to, to get back to civilization. They came eventually. Uh, but, but I, but the illustration I gave in the, in the men's meeting was in this applies, to, you know, to all Christians, I think is that we, we are, we tend to think of ourselves as, oh, I can mostly kind of get by by myself in the Christian life and maybe occasionally get input from others, but actually we're much more dependent on one another, more like I was on that bus driver, that that is how much we need other Christians uh, to, to help sustain our faith. We need their gifts uh, to, to help us in our Christian walk. Uh, we need the ministry of the church and the, the Sunday gathering. Uh, so, so God is... God has uh, saved us in community, and and we need each other to to, and that's how God designed it was to be in community in the Christian walk. So, do you think um, we recognize, generally speaking? I mean, just think about this church. Think about the people in your small group. Think about the people that you're spending time with, even at at Henson, um, and, and yourself. Like, do we recognize our our need for? this kind of community, this accountability, this encouragement, this help in the Christian life from one another? Do we get it? I, like I, I mean, I think we're living in a culture that, that pushes against that. Yeah. And so it's hard to get it. I mean, mm. I think of myself and I think the times where I get that the most or is when life gets the hardest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where I feel my lack of community most acutely. Mm. Uh, I remember during the pandemic, uh, and we were all locked down and, and, you know, not able to do a lot. There was a period where I, and we were work, you know, I was working from home and there was a period where I, f- I f- probably was depressed and, and, and I felt, man, I really just need to be with some other people. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, obviously I had my family, I was grateful to have them, but, but felt the need for, uh, for, for relationship, you know, and, and just other perspectives, people to talk to. Uh, and there were a few opportunities to get together with other other people during the pandemic. We, you know, we did some men's gatherings, but that was what prompted that for me hmm. was I was like, oh man, I'm not, I'm not going to get through this. Hmm. Like if, if this is going to continue for however many months, like we, I need to, I need to try and reach out to some folks and spend time with them. So I, so to, to answer your question, I think it's hard for us. Uh, it's hard for me, but, but, um, what it, it, it can be difficult if you wait for that crisis situation and you're not well integrated into a community that can buffer and support you during that time. 
I appreciate you sharing that. I think, yeah, that's very practically uh, helpful as, as we think about our, our need of one another. Um, I think it's interesting as I think about the, the idols in our culture, uh, independence, um, as we've been speaking uh, about, but also, um, kind of, uh, almost a consumeristic on the other hand, uh, desire to be in community in relationship. I think if you talk to people who don't, uh, know the Lord, um, they, they understand their need at some oh, level yeah. for relationships to be mm-hmm. a part of a community. Um, Ashley and I were a part of a gym for a number of years that really, uh, worked hard to create, uh, a really mm-hmm. close knit community and care for one another, helping one another through difficult times. Um, so how might Christian interdependence be different from what other religions, other groups, the world is pursuing when it comes to community. Cause I, yeah. I, and just one more thing is it's funny. I hear more from people now when I ask what they're looking for in a church, when they're visiting Henson and, and the, the number one thing is we're looking for community. Mm-hmm. Um, so what makes, I guess to boil down my question, what makes Christian community and interdependence distinct or yeah. unique? Does that make That's sense? That's a great question. No, it's really, it's a really good question. I think, yeah, that, uh, we as Christians need each other, but interdependence and community is a human need too. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. just a Christian well need, it's mm-hmm. a human need. And, mm-hmm. and you see, uh, when people are able to tap into that, uh, it, it can be very helpful for, even for folks who are not Christian. I, I can think of a couple examples. Um, uh, I went for a little while to this group called the men's enlightenment round table. And did you need to dress up for that? No, no, no. It was just, it like was like a, a Renaissance type yeah. costume. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's yeah. Not enlightenment. It was more of a discussion group for men, but it was, but it was a secular community. How, how'd you find out about this? I think I found it on a meetup online. I don't remember huh. or, or, or what's the, what's the website. There's a website where you can find like meetups and things like that. Facebook. Yeah. It was something other than that. But, okay. but I went to this, um, because I was curious, I, you know, I was thinking about this idea of community and I okay. was thinking, okay, how does the world do community? And yeah. I, I go to this men's enlightenment round table, men from all different backgrounds. Uh, and, uh, and, and it felt like a small group meeting, you huh. know, like a church small group meeting, but it was very different in a couple of aspects. One was that it was unapologetically uh, self-focused, meaning the whole goal of the time was to share your own thoughts, your own opinion, and to have people listen to it. There was no search for common, for truth. Yeah, It, it was, it was the, the purpose uh, was self-expression. And, and it, there was a catharsis, I think that folks felt in just being able to kind of share their thoughts about things, whether it was, you know, hallucinogenics, I remember it was one conversation and, and about, you know, relationship problems and people were pretty open at the group. And, but, uh, but when it got into ideas, which it often did, cause these were more just thinker types, um, yeah, it was all about self-expression. There was no, you know, there was no, there was very little challenge and, and, uh, and the challenge, you know, it was, yeah, so it was very unapologetically about just expressing yourself. 
And whereas in a small group, for example, at church at, at Hinson, uh, we're, we're rallying around the word together. We're pursuing truth We're we have an, we have a goal, which mm-hmm. is sanctification and, and, and salvation and keeping the faith. And we're praying towards that end. We're talking towards that end. So it felt in this men's enlightenment roundtable, yes, it was a pursuit of community. And in some ways, I think it maybe was, you know, kind of fulfilling for some of the folks that came. It was certainly different than what they experienced in their day-to-day life. But it struck me as really futile. What's the point of it? Uh, and Is that how you left? You kind of was like, what's the point of all this? And you kind of stormed off and turned over the round table. <laughs> no, I, I, I just, I sat through a couple of meetings and then I didn't go back. But sure. But it was really, it was interesting. But the, the, so the difference, the difference mm-hmm. between Christian community and, and human, you know, the need for human need for community. Um, one thing is, you know, if you think about it through the lens of the gospel, you know, we came into sin, humanity did in community. Uh, original sin means that we came into sin through community and we're saved out of sin through community as well. Hmm. Uh, we're Romans seven talks about this. I think it's Romans seven, this idea of, of, of we are one in Adam. And so we are one in Christ. And salvation is not primarily talked about in scripture as an individual, uh, in individualistic terms. It's primarily talked about in collective terms. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. You know, we, we're, we are saved or the church or the elect. Uh, and so, and, and as we're united to Christ by his death, we're also at the same time united to one another. And so the, the community that we live out is not about individualistic self-expression. It's a, there's, there's an actual substance behind it in that we are actually united through Christ's blood. Mm-hmm. And it's a community, uh, that is, that is, has a meaningful goal, mm-hmm. which is salvation or, you know, con- continuing in the faith, uh, persevering until the end, uh, sanctification. And it's one that will last for eternity because we, uh, will, will live in the new heavens and the new earth and that community uh, without sin. So those are some thoughts on differences. That's helpful. Yeah. And to think about this more, yeah, I think uh, we would all be helped to see kind of that, that collective uh, in the arguments. I think, you know, whether you start in Romans 6, going all the way, tracing it through the practicalities of Romans 12, certainly Ephesians 1 through 3, before we kind of get to the more practical section of Ephesians, you see how, you know, for it has been by grace, we've been saved. And then, um, you know, in Christ, the dividing wall of hostility has been broken down. And then therefore we have, Mm -hmm. uh, fellowship in even Jew and Gentile. And Mm -hmm. then the Ephesians 3 10, we see the manifold wisdom of God in creating the church Mm -hmm. and that collective. Um, so a number of different texts we could go to, um, to think about that. We see how important it is in scripture. Once you kind of see this idea in scripture, you start seeing it all over the place. Like Mm -hmm. you said, so many one another passages Mm -hmm. in the new Testament, whenever uh, this is like, like you said, in Romans 12, after all so much deep and sweeping theology, it's like, uh, application number one. Um, and yet it's difficult. So it's, it's easy to see in scripture, but why is inter Christian interdependence so difficult today? You said, at, you know, first we began thinking about mm-hmm. that, culture. Uh, the yeah. idol of, uh, independence mm-hmm. in our culture, other things that make pursuing this, like living it out difficult. I think that, um, something that, that is maybe a religious thing, but not particularly Christian thing is this idea 
that we ought to at least appear to have it all together, you know, so, so there's something about community that's exposing, that exposes weakness. Um, and that is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the type of person who's pretty open mm-hmm. about like my weaknesses, but, uh, I'm not very open if somebody points out a weakness that I haven't, that I don't already agree with. <laughs> In other mm-hmm. words, if you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. so th- there's even, even me who I think is a relatively open person with friends, you know, mm-hmm. people who I'm friends with mm-hmm. about things I'm not good at. Um, there's somebody, uh, you know, I don't tend to always react well if, if, if I have a weakness pointed out that maybe I, I hadn't thought of before hmm. or is new to me, mm-hmm. um, even if it's true. And, and so I think, yeah, there's something of the, about being vulnerable in community The you know, the, you, you see this in, in, if you're married or if you have a roommate or anything like that, the people that you're closest with see your, your flaws the most clearly, and you tend to be the most unfiltered with, um, and so your weaknesses are, are on display. And, and so the closer you are in community, uh, the, the, the more grace it requires, uh, and forgiveness and it requires, con- you know, peacemaking and conflict resolution. It's messy. Uh, it takes, it takes work. And, um, and sometimes I think it's easier to, you know, get dressed up on Sunday and put on a smile and, uh, and then, you know, kind of live in, in a bubble for the rest of the week. Hmm. But, um, but I think scripture calls us to more than that. And I think it's a, it's a group project. It's not, you know, we, uh, I think we as, as members of the church ought to be seeking other people out, hmm. uh, as even as we are seeking to, you know, build community with others and we should be seeking to invite others in who may be on the fringes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a group project. Yeah, that's helpful. Uh, another difficulty I just thought of, uh, in that was kind of in between the lines of some of the things you were saying, I think is just our busyness. Uh, we can get so busy with things, with mm-hmm. tasks, and we, t- we can tend to be, and I mean, everybody's different in terms of some people tend to be more type A, but like, you know, I, I try to make it a priority to always be on time mm-hmm. and I don't, I, and I, getting the job done can become more important to me mm-hmm. than, uh, than community. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. Sometimes re- community requires that you are late. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah, I, I'm like that too. I tend to, I tend to be very task focused, less, less, um, uh, you know, relationship focused when, mm-hmm. when task and relationship come into conflict. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's been interesting coming out of the pandemic and thinking about how to rebalance our social lives, you mm-hmm. know, um, and even that's probably not a healthy way to think about it. It's not a, it's not a social life, <laughs> you know, it's that it's almost, life. that almost, yeah, yeah. That, that almost implies that, that it's this sort of event driven compartmentalized thing. Yeah. But, but rebalancing, uh, how much downtime we need as a family versus how much activity we can be doing and, and sustain our energy right. you know, in, in being with others. Uh, and, and my wife and I are different sometimes, you know, sometimes one of us may want more or less downtime. And mm-hmm. so that's, it's a, it's a, it's a process of pushing one another and keeping an open dialogue. Uh, we're still kind of figuring it out right after the pandemic. Or I don't remember when it was, but when, when things kind of, when vaccines were widely available and we felt more comfortable uh, and, and everything was opening up and masks were coming off, uh, our calendars were, were really booked for mm-hmm. a little while because we were just trying to make up for lost time getting together with people and, yeah. 
and it was exhausting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's, there's things to consider just different individual differences. But one of the things I challenged, uh, the men to think about, and I think applies broadly is to not think about community as an event driven thing where you're, you're, you are scheduling time to get together with coffee and you're face to face with someone and you can't, and you're not doing anything else during that time or to schedule time to have someone for dinner and you've got to cook dinner and do the dishes and all that stuff. Cause that does add pressure if the, if it has the, the pressure of hosting, being a host, you know? Um, but sometimes it can just be in community can be built or grown by including people in things that you're already doing. Can you give us an example of when you feel like you've been able to do that? Yeah. I don't think, I don't think I'm always the greatest example, but one time where I think it, it, um, I was able to do this in a way that, that felt, uh, felt, felt like I was doing it well was I was was a man I was discipling a few years ago and, and he needed a lot of time and, uh, I didn't have a lot of time to give Mm -hmm. with, you know, three kids and a job and everything. And, uh, so I would invite him to go to the grocery store with me sometimes, or I remember literally going to get groceries, like with some of my kids and this guy, um, or going, I remember I went to the pet store once to get something for a pet or the enlightenment round table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there were, you know, just errands, like mm-hmm. things that I had to do that I was doing anyways. Mm-hmm. And it, and it became an opportunity to connect, to pray together, mm-hmm. um, you know, or if I was kind of tied to the house because I had to, I had to, you know, the kid was, the young child was napping or mm-hmm. something like that, just invite people over. Um, so yeah, so there, I think there's ways that, that we can, rather than feeling like we have to have five coffee dates in a week mm. to just bring somebody with us, you know, when we're having a lunch, you know, meeting up with someone for lunch, bring a third person, or if we're, we're, having to do an errand or, or take the kids somewhere to, to think about who, who might, who else might I be able to include in this? Um, yeah. Can you more briefly, cause we're running out of time here, give us the other practical applications you gave to the men. So that was one of, I think you did like five. Great memory, Dan. Uh, this, my, uh, my talk must've really stuck with you. <laughs> um, one, a couple things practically. So one was broadcast your openness so if, if there's I talked about how openness is not just about spending time together, but that it's with a purpose. Mm-hmm. And, and I talked about this with Christian small group versus men's enlightenment round table, that there was, there's a goal we're, we're working towards sanctification Good. and towards persevering uh, with one another. And so if there's an area that you want to grow in, tell other people, tell, tell other guys, or if you're a woman, tell other women, if, if you, uh, are, are struggle with a certain sin, or area of temptation, find someone in the church who you, who struggles with it less and ask them to pray with you, you know, just spend time with them. Um, so that was one broadcasting your openness. One was another one was inviting yourself. Uh, you know, that, that I think that given all the theological, uh, underpinnings to our social connectedness, right? We're not just a social community. Mm -hmm. We're actually united in Christ. And so I think, you know, we don't all, I don't think we always have to follow, you know, the, the cultural social conventions when it comes to, oh, you shouldn't invite yourself over to someone's house or something like that. Now, maybe I shouldn't invite myself over to your house, Dan, tonight for dinner, mm-hmm. <laughs> but maybe I could say, hey, we'd love to get together, you know, with you guys for dinner. Mm-hmm. We're, we're happy to, we're happy to come your way. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what would, would there be a day that would work for you guys or, mm. or, Hey, you know, we're going to a baseball game. Do you guys want to come with us? You know? So I think, uh, I think it's okay for us to invite ourselves. We can, we can, we can say no. If, yeah. if someone invites themselves, you know, to our house and it doesn't work, then we, mm-hmm. we can always say no, or let's find a different day. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, you know, we talked other practical things about spending, uh, spending time alongside, like we talked about kind of this idea of not scheduling point in time events, face-to-face things, but maybe just do activities together about thinking of good questions ahead of time. Oh yeah. I like so that one. This idea- You've always been good, uh, gifted in that. So you, you will literally, as you're, before you're getting together with someone, just try to take a couple minutes, maybe even write, like literally write a couple questions yeah. down, you know, maybe get out the note card while you're with yeah. the person. <laughs> I'll write them in my notes app. Yeah. Well, okay. I've, I've just noticed because as, as I've gotten older and my life has become more consumed with lots of things to think about, yeah. I don't naturally, um, I'm not naturally intentional mm-hmm. with the time I maybe used to be more, but I'm less mm-hmm. naturally intentional with the time that I have with folks. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I remember I go, I get through, you know, an hour and a half with somebody and we talked about the weather and mm-hmm. sports and kids and family. And mm-hmm. we didn't, and I, I think to myself, you know, I wish, I wish I would have asked about this or I wish, mm-hmm. I wish it, I, we would could have gotten into something more substantive or, mm-hmm. and, and so based on that, yeah. Now ahead of time, sometimes I'll think about what's a good question I could ask. What's something that is interesting that this person is maybe, uh, you know, thinking about or a big event in their life that I could ask about or an area of, of, of sin that I, you know, I can encourage them in or ask about or, or something. Mm. Yeah. So what's a good, what are a couple good questions I can ask folks that will really get to meaningful conversation? I don't think that you have to have meaning, you know, substantive in-depth meaningful conversation in every conversation, mm-hmm. but I've generally found when I've thought about questions ahead of time mm-hmm. before I get together with somebody, it, I end up uh, feeling I've connected more. Was it, do we get all five? The last one was suffering together. And just this idea that, you know, it's, it's easy to isolate in suffering and, and that grief and lament can be embarrassing and it can be, you know, it could be painful and just awkward, socially awkward. If someone wants to give you like unsolicited advice, right? We don't, nobody likes that when they're suffering, um, but that it's important to suffer together. And, and that even despite those difficulties that God has given us the church community in order to be able to do that. Uh, for the blessing of, and, and that's one of the ways that the Holy Spirit comforts and, and, and is with us and, and gives, shows us the presence of God in our suffering is through uh, other people in the church. And so, you know, I think we, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're in a, if you're struggling right now, I, th- I would encourage folks talk to find a brother or sister to talk to, um, and, and if, if you've done that and you, it's been awkward because folks have given you a solicited advice, then maybe, you know, maybe just say, Hey, you know, I really don't want to talk about this, but I just want to be with someone. Mm-hmm. You know, can we go do something together? Mm-hmm. Um, so suffering together was the last, the last point. And I think, you know, scripture calls us to, um, essentially like practically have our, our antenna up. I think so often we walk into church thinking about ourselves and what we need, but if we're coming in with, uh, having an others centeredness of, uh, considering what other people are going through, Mm -hmm. um, and seeking to encourage, I I mean, we have suffering saints and brothers and sisters all around us who could just use, um, you know, we might not know exactly what to say, but just Mm -hmm. even caring, caring enough to ask, caring enough to remember, caring enough to, to pray. Um, 
All right. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get your back on this uh, next one, but I want you to uh, just tell us. Uh, you don't need to feel like you need to nuance this. Mm-hmm. Um, but a way that Henson could grow in Christian interdependence from your experience. You've been here, what, six, seven years now? Uh, eight. Eight? It's been eight. Mm-hmm. Crazy eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so a way that you've observed in eight years, Christian or Henson can grow in Christian interdependence in a way that the Lord's gifted Henson. So these are like broad strokes here. Yeah. And it's also your experience. I think that that one way that God has gifted Henson and one way I, I would encourage Henson is that uh, that initial layer of welcoming, uh, you know, of, of folks, no, you know, noticing other folks, uh, greeting them, inviting them over for coffee, you know, just, just kind of welcoming new visitors uh, generally has been really strong at mm-hmm. Henson. And I think that was one of the things that we noticed when we, when we visited eight years ago. And I think we're still strong in that area. Now, sometimes people slip through the cracks. And so, you know, that's not everybody's experience when they visit. So we have to be, I think, diligent to continue to keep our antenna up, you mm-hmm. know, of, of who is in the room on Sundays, who, uh, who you don't know mm-hmm. and, you know, fight the instinct to always go to people that, you know, and try to greet new people. So I think we need to continue to work on that, but, but generally think we're really strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd agree. Yeah. And, I think an area of growth is um, how are we then pursuing the next layer of community? Mm-hmm. Because it's easy to get together with someone for coffee, learn the basic facts about their life, um, but it is it is harder to be open with that mm-hmm. person with with newer folks about sin. If you have a, a new person come into your small group, are you going to continue to be open? Um, mm. One thing that that struck us about a small group uh, at a previous church we we visited in the first night that we were there the group was um talking and crying you know in some cases or you know getting teary about some very difficult things in their lives um as if we weren't there as if we weren't new visitors and we felt um we felt really comforted by the fact that this community was resilient enough and they were uh the, the that their community was resilient enough that they could be that open, even in front of new folks. Um, so I don't think we always need to go there immediately. You know, I'm not, it's not, I'm not saying that to be prescriptive, but just Mm -hmm. that, you know, yes, we've welcomed. Okay. So you've, what we've welcomed people, how are we then, um, moving into discipleship? Good. Uh, mutual discipleship. Mm -hmm. So, so that's a, that's a challenge, an encouragement. And I think one other encouragement, you know, or caution, uh, this is a quote, this is uh, stuff that didn't make it into the men's talk. So this is bonus content. Um, nice. A quote, a very famous author and poet wrote this about independence. Shel Silverstein. She, no, she wrote independence is a heady draft. And if you drink it, uh, in your, in your youth, it can have the same effect on the brain as young wine does. It does not matter that its taste is not always appealing. It is addictive. And with each drink, you want more. It's interesting. Yes. So get drunk on <laughs> interdependence. Yeah. Well, don't get, yeah. Dr- just talking about the addict, the, that even if it's not always pleasant uh-huh. to be in, to be independent, huh. it is still addictive Yeah. In, in, in this culture. Now, interestingly, this quote was written, it was meant to be an inspiration. Right. But actually I think it's a warning. I think it's a warning to us that it, that it takes time to break habits of thinking and acting in yeah. a way that's, that's, you know, isolated. Um, 
and you know sometimes we we misstep or or that we we have a we have a relationship that that falls out or or it doesn't it does it's not always ideal it's you know community is not always ideal um, but I think it's important to fight the cultural pressure that we face and just to seek to live in an open and vulnerable way with one another and uh, to to build deep community. David, I really appreciate your thoughtfulness on this and sharing with us on this topic. Uh, I was, it struck me, um, even though it was a number of months ago now, uh, or I guess when we're recording this a month or two ago that you gave the talk to the men, um, it really, I, I found it really helpful, really challenging. Um, and I think it's exactly what we need to be thinking about here at Henson. How are we going to be this distinct gospel centered community that's pursuing Christ with one another? So thank you, brother, for sharing from God's word. Thank you for thinking about taking it to the next step of practical application. What does this look like in our lives? So, so well done. And, uh, is it okay if we entitle this uh, podcast intoxicating interdependence or something, <laughs> or is that going against that's what you're saying? It's a warning. So. You're, you're assuming that everyone's going to listen to the last 60 seconds and then get the reference. Uh, that, that's a, that's a bold aspiration. It is. It is indeed. Thanks again, David. Yeah. Good to talk with you.